Welcome to the Life After Life podcast, where we explore our soul's physical and non-physical journey. I'm Majana. Let's discuss angels, guides, and loved ones from the other side. Hello, everybody. I just absolutely look forward to this so much. So in my mind's eye, we are all like sitting in a big circle, like kind of kumbaya moment, maybe. I don't know. But just really connected and sharing energy and having great conversations. And I look forward to when I can actually hear your side of the conversations. So today we are going to actually touch upon two topics. One rather briefly, and these are compliments of Heather. So Heather, thank you for your emails and Facebook posts. I appreciate that very much. Heather's first question was, does everybody have the ability to do this? Talk to angels, guides, spirits, and loved ones that are on the other side. And my response is yes. I believe everybody does have the ability. Just like with anything else that we're pursuing, some people maybe have a little more natural inclination to be able to do it. For example, playing a guitar or any musical instrument, or any art or sport. Some people are just a little more talented from the get-go in that area. That doesn't mean everybody else can't learn the skill and practice it and become really good at it. One of my absolute favorite workshops to teach, I call the Conscious Connection Series, where we consciously connect with angels and guides. Now, that is so great in person and I know there's so many of you that have requested how to do this, and I'm working on how to do it digitally or online. So if you have ideas, I'm open. The thing is, you really need a partner. And I'll give you a clue I think is pivotal in all of this learning to connect with the other side is the subtle energy piece, because people expect it to be like TV or your radio or something, and it's not. It's subtle energy, and we each connect in our own way. So there's really no wrong answer on how that's going to show up. For some people, it's very musically based. Some people are visual. Some are auditory. Some feel the presence, or they actually will feel a hand on their shoulder or so forth. So you just really have to be open to all of the ways the energies can connect with you and practice being aware of the subtle energy. So I love, love, love to see that bliss of people making the connection for the first time. Oh, one of my favorite things ever. And tears of joy and tears of unconditional love being felt. It is beautiful. I can't tell. I'm a little excited about that. Can you? The next part of Heather's question is about what happens when someone is in a prolonged coma or on life support? Is their soul in their body? So right now, I'm not talking about medically induced comas, where they intentionally put a patient in a coma to give their body time to heal or give the medical staff time to come up with a solution or for whatever reasons they might do that. I'm talking about there's an accident or an illness you know, I think that's the body's way of kind of shutting down and focusing energy to heal. Now, at some point when your body's healed, you typically come out of the coma and can begin the conscious healing stage. And what if that doesn't happen? What if the family is grieving and someone's on life support and there's just no sign of life and the doctors are telling the family chances of this improving are slim to none? I think what's happening on a soul level at that time is you actually come and go. The soul is in the body for some of that experience, but they also leave. 
the soul can go on the other side and connect with guides and angels and higher self. And maybe they're getting new instructions or revamping their curriculum. I mean, there's just so many possibilities that are even beyond my ability to fathom them because I'm in this earth body. However, the soul can come and go. And then it comes back into the body. And sometimes people will say, well, they're in the coma, but I know they're hearing me because maybe their eyes flutter or they look like they're trying to talk. Yeah, very possibly could be. That soul's not been in the body. Now it's back in. I do believe after hearing countless cases of people in coma saying, yeah, I heard everything that was being said in the room. So I think the body will house the soul for a while for the soul's growth. Maybe you need to experience what it's like to be in that coma. There's always the other side of the coin. There are people who will go into a coma to give their loved ones the learning opportunity. Same thing goes with life support system. If someone needs help temporarily and they're on life support because of damage to their body and they're not able to get enough oxygen in, perfect. But if someone's on life support for a prolonged period of time and they're still comatose or there's no brain activity, they won't breathe either without the life support, there's a reasonable period of time that could be needed for the body to heal. After that point, I just don't believe the soul is coming back. The soul has finished with the body. They have moved on. They are celebrating life and living their life on the other side. And grieving on this side is hard. Sometimes it's so difficult to make that decision and accept the reality that our loved one is no longer in that shell, in that body, because that's how we connect with somebody is through the body. Even though the soul isn't there, it's still a really great visual for us to say, this is who I love and I'm not ready to let them go. Is it really who you think it is? No, I think it's just a shell. Now, if the soul is not finished with that body, the soul will come back. Whether that person is on life support the whole time or if you just choose to take them off of life support and it's not the soul's time to stay on the other side, I firmly believe without a doubt that they will come back into that body. So I absolutely firmly do not believe you're doing any harm whatsoever by pulling the plug. When the doctors tell you there's no EEG, there's no EKG, they're both brain dead and their heart won't beat without artificial means, then I truly believe that it's okay to let them go. Their essence, their soul has already crossed to the other side. And now it's time to allow the loved ones to grieve and have closure on that as well, rather than dragging it on and on. I have a very, very good friend who has just an amazing personal story about this very thing. And we have been trying for months to get our schedules to sync up, to get her in here and do a podcast on it. Last week, I thought we had it. I'm going to keep on trying because it is truly, truly an amazing story. Her name is Paula. Hold me to task. Let's go to the other end of this spectrum. What about a baby? I think in utero, same thing happens when a soul is coming into the earth. That soul can come into the uterus and start experiencing life right then. I believe the heart is the first organ to develop and the heart has an intelligence. So maybe not right at conception, but as soon as the heart starts beating, I think it's realistic that a soul could come in. Then there's the big question, what's the difference between your mind and your brain and your soul and your consciousness? All right, that's a debate I don't even want to get into. But I firmly believe that, again, depending on the soul lessons, 
a soul can come into the baby's body at any time while in the uterus. And I also absolutely believe the soul comes and goes. The body's developing. That's on autopilot. And in my mind, the soul is getting the last directions, the last instructions on what I'm going to do in this earth experience. We're coming down here to this heavy, dense plane, and it's quite a shock to the systems. No wonder those babies come out crying. Good grief. So in my mind, because I just love humor, I think it is so important. So I see this little soul up there having the chat with angels and guides and the whole soul council going, you know, I was really excited about this, but I don't know, I'm getting cold feet. What if, what if, what if? And, you know, it's sort of a pep rally to get this little soul all geared up and you can do this. It's all right. And they're reinforcing and loving. And okay, it's probably not really like that, but it makes me smile to think of it that way. So if that soul is coming down here or over here to the earth to experience what it's like to be in utero, then they're going to be in that baby's body probably for more time than if that's not part of their lesson. I think I shared on a previous podcast a beautiful gift that I received when I was able to connect with the soul of an infant who crossed shortly, like a few months, I believe, after he was born. Clearly, parents are devastated. And what that beautiful little baby's soul shared with me was the whole reason that soul needed to come to earth was to experience the love of the mother while she was pregnant what it was like to be in the uterus and developing physically. But mostly it was to feel the mother's love surging through the umbilical cord. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. I was actually able to see it and feel what it was like to be that developing baby. And then I felt the baby and saw from the baby's perspective after being born, mom holding him and loving him. And that was exactly what that soul came to earth to experience was the unconditional mother's love. I do not wish for anyone to ever have to lose a child. And if it's any consolation to look at it from that perspective, because that's exactly what I got from this soul. My mom loved me so much and loved me so well that I was able to experience what I needed in this development so that I could complete it quickly and move on. What a gift for one soul to give to another soul, and yet there's so much pain, and part of that soul contract would be what it would be from the parent's perspective to have to lose that child and go through the grieving process. All of this would be planned out in our soul contracts before we came to this planet. If a soul does not need to experience that part of life, the very beginning, what it's like to be in uterus and to grow, then it's very possible the soul pops in and out and maybe doesn't even come in until later. I think when you're feeling the baby move around, most likely the soul is in there. When it's not, just like when you're dreaming, you know, every night we go into REM and many, many people do astral traveling in their sleep. Your soul leaves your body because your body's fine. It doesn't need your consciousness in that point. You're still tethered to your body so you can return. An infant's soul can do the same thing. It's still tethered, but the body's growing, developing. Eh, I don't need to be there micromanaging all of this cell division thing. And maybe this whole pregnancy is for the mom, not for a new soul coming in. Maybe it's a woman with health issues or a rape or there are genetic factors involved that make this a high-risk pregnancy for one way or the other. Whatever the reason, again, infinite reasons, even here on Earth, 
that the mom is in the position of having to decide whether to go through with the pregnancy or abort the pregnancy. Again, I don't want controversy. I'm not looking for debate. I'm looking for love and open-mindedness. And what if there is no soul in that baby's body because it's not about bringing somebody new into the world. It's about a mom having this experience, which would be agonizing. Can you imagine how terrifying and just agonizing? And for all of you that have gone through this, I am so sorry. And I'm not trying to dig up wounds or step on toes, sending nothing but love and sympathy. And it's part of our process. So No one has the right in my eyes to judge anyone else's decisions because we don't have all the information. Our higher selves, our angels, our guides are guiding us. Even if we're not in conscious connection with them, they are very active in our lives and they are guiding us through these processes. So we don't know what the purpose of that is. We don't know when that baby soul comes into the body. And souls are very smart, right? If that baby knows that this is a possibility, I don't believe that that soul is going to be in there to experience the trauma. I think we've talked about this too, where the soul leaves the body in a bad accident or sickness, if again, the soul doesn't need to experience that pain or that sickness or whatever would be associated with it, the soul's free to leave. The body is still there because again, that example, that instance or period of life may not be for that soul's development. It's for the loved one's soul's development. It's part of the soul contract. So why would a soul say, okay, yes, I'm going to come down to the earth and go through this trauma for you so that you can have the experience, but it would be physically agonizing for me. Well, if I don't need that physical agony, then I can exit my body, but give you the experience because I love you enough to do that. Maybe I do need to experience some of the agony. That's my soul's choice. But I think we need to be really, really careful when we're judging other people. That's not ours to judge is my my opinion on this perspective, because there are too many angles that we cannot possibly see. All right. So what about now the baby's born? I think there's a lot of times I can pass life regressions, even some memories where people see themselves being born. Maybe you don't want to remember that. We've all been through it and it cannot be pleasant. So it's very possible that a soul isn't present at that moment either. But as soon as the baby's born, the soul slips into the body. What about when a newborn is sleeping so much because that's what they do, right? Well, that's what we hope they do is sleep a whole lot. I think that's also great times for the soul to come in and out of the body. Can you imagine just being without the restriction of a body, no confines, you are free, infinite, and pure love, and then you come into this little bitty tiny space, this little container that's so restrictive. And now think about hospital rooms. They're typically very cold. Your soul hasn't experienced this shock for quite a while since last birth. And here they come and they're in this body and woo, what is that? I mean, how many babies are like, you see shivering because it's already so cold in there. That baby is sleeping. I think it's again, a great time and opportunity for that soul to be coming in and out. Again, getting encouragement, instructions like, oh gosh, this is what it's like now. Let me look at the rule book again here. Let me look at my life contract and see how some of this is going to unfold. Heck, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but I don't think that they are in body all the time. And it's pretty cool to think about 
our ability to just use it as a vessel. That gives us a whole different perspective of our bodies. It's nothing but a vessel. Take good care of it. Don't abuse it because it is this sanctuary that your soul chose to experience life with. So we want to honor our bodies, I think, from that perspective. And it's nothing but a vessel. Well, as always, I hope I didn't offend anybody or step on toes. I would love to hear your questions and comments. If you're not part of our Facebook group, just request membership. It's Life After Life Radio on Facebook. I would love to hear emails from you, majana at lifeafterliferadio.com. I am doing a little special for Valentine's Day, if you're interested. I'm calling it the Couple's Life Purpose Session. You don't have to be married. It doesn't have to be a romantic partner. It can be parent-child, two children, whatever, just somebody in your soul pod. And you really want to know what your life purpose is together, right? Because we do this life to grow and experience ourselves, but we also support each other, our soul pod, in our growth and experience, and we grow together. So we have contracts with those people. And if you're curious about what some of those might be, then we can call in guides and they will give us some perspective. So if you're wondering, how can I love this person so much? And then we are so incredibly frustrated with each other. We can look at some of those lessons. And then people ask me, well, is that cheating? Is it cheating for me to have a reading for myself and now even with my partner when I'm supposed to be doing this soul growth on my own? Okay, it's not cheating. If it was, your guides would not participate. So understand, you can ask your guides and your angels to help with any part of your life. Their limitations are based on, first and foremost, your free will. They cannot participate if you don't want them to. You have to invite them in. Secondly, it's about your soul lessons. So your guides won't come in and tell you exactly what to do because you have choices. If you're in a quandary because you have a soul lesson going on right now, they might offer you support but they're not giving you answers. They're not going to tell you what choice to make because the reality is there's no bad choice. You're going to have experiences no matter what choice you make, and that's what you're here for, to learn. So what they will do is talk about maybe some hot spots or the general idea, the general concepts that you and your partner are here to help each other with. All right, I'll use Thomas and I for an example. One of the things that I'm supposed to be helping him with is learning what I call balance. Thomas is a workaholic and has this amazing ability to focus longer than anybody I have ever known on a project and just push, push, push. And he's been doing this so long, he has this uncanny ability to look at a stack of work and know exactly how many hours and minutes it's going to take him to complete it. Blows me away. And he is relentless until he gets it finished. What that tends to do is cause health problems for him. So we have a previous life that this issue came up as well then. We were young and married. I was pregnant and he was a high-ranking military official and had to go on his horse on this journey to deliver some message, but he wasn't feeling well. So I begged and begged him to stop and rest and take care of himself, but he was determined and he said, I'm going to go do this trip. When I come back, I will rest. Well, while on that trip, he had a major stroke and basically became an invalid, and I lost the baby, and it was my responsibility to take care of him. 
So I was angry and resentful and ended up living out the rest of my life being his caregiver because he lived quite a long time. So I lived my life being resentful. In this lifetime, I'm constantly reminding him, balance, honey, take care of yourself. In fact, we were just speaking about that the other day, and I think by George, he's learning it, and I'm so, so grateful. So one of the things he's helping me with is what we kind of jokingly say, get over my Capricorn. I have lifetimes, this one included, that have shown me it's just really not safe to be vulnerable or express your true emotions, let anybody know what you're really feeling. And because that's not safe, I'm very mental. I process everything through my mind. That is exactly why it was such a big deal for me to step into this podcast and make the agreement that I'm willing to follow my guides and do exactly what they say without arguing or second guessing because I've spent most of my life arguing and second guessing. So Thomas is constantly calling me to task. Are you in your head? Would you get out of your head and go to your heart? How does this feel? Because my thing is, well, let me think about it. So he'll correct me and say, no, I'll let you feel about it. (laughs) That's exactly what I need. And his support for me to do the podcast and to do this work is completely getting me out of my head because, yep, the podcast, I do think through it. Obviously, I want to think about experiences that I want to share. But when I am doing readings with somebody or sessions, there is no thought process involved from me. All I'm doing is translating. And I will say in the beginning, that was a little bit hard because messages would come through and my mind would get involved and I would be thinking, that doesn't even make sense. Why would that be happening? Like somebody just showed me a thumbprint. Okay, I must have just imagined that. Why would they show me a thumbprint? What I learned is it doesn't need to mean anything to me. I'm going to share it because it's meaningful for the person that I'm helping out, that I'm translating for. So I've really, really learned to get out of my head in this process. So there are many other ways that Thomas and I support each other and ways that we are growing in this lifetime. Now our guides and the universe step up and they present opportunities to grow through these absolutely in amazing and beautiful ways. They are totally willing to help us with that. By Thomas and I knowing, look, I'm not nagging at you to stop working so hard just for the fun of it. I'm truly worried about your health and our past has shown that this is an issue. Your current health conditions could be an issue if you work too hard. So knowing that that is one of the things that we're targeting in this lifetime is very helpful. For me to know that it's okay to show emotion and actually have feelings, that's one of the things I'm working on this lifetime, and it's safe to do that, and Thomas not only provides a safe space but encourages me to do that, is very helpful. So all we know are these are targeted areas. Now, how we handle those is completely up to us. So your guides will do that. They can give you areas, but they're not going to micromanage. That is your job. So no, it's not cheating at all. I just put it up on the website, which is www.soulfoodtalks.com. It's the couple's life purpose. For the month of February, I will give a 20% discount. So the price on the website is 20% off. In March, it goes up to the regular rate. All right, that's just available, and I wanted to let you know, as always, I deeply appreciate each one of you, and I am wishing you the very best day possible. Namaste.